Everybody glad you're here? I thank God for you, those joining us online. I love you guys. Um, and, and out of that great love, I just want to keep um, seeing you flourish in your relationship with Jesus. So just as a suggestion and a reminder, every week when you leave, grab one of these study guides to go deeper five days a week into what you hear me share uh, on the weekend. If you're watching online, download this puppy. Uh, if you're here for the first time, man, we are overjoyed uh, that God has brought you to be with us. Uh, we hope you immediately feel at home and more important to that, uh, that you feel the presence of God. Uh, but talking about joy, man, I really enjoy uh, the way people creatively decorate their homes at Christmas. Just let me show you a few of my favorites. I love the ditto guy. Let the neighbor do all the work. You just do ditto. That's awesome. Uh, here's another. Uh, this guy thinks, how can I have the most fun with the least amount of effort? I'll put up a few lights and then make it look like the Grinch is stealing all the lights. That guy's a genius. And uh, it's always good to pay homage to Clark Griswold at Christmas, but this scene got multiple 911 calls over the course of two days because people thought he really was hanging from the gutter. <laughs> but let's think back. Before there was electricity, 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas, no LED lights, no eggnog, no tinsel, no trees. The only decoration is cobwebs and multiple layers of dust in this humble stable outside a small town inn. It's a place where sheep are kept. So it stinks. It stinks like sheep. It stinks like their dung. It stinks like their urine. It is gross. A mouse skitters across the dirt floor. And you see, you're aware there's a family lodging there. And you think, these guys got to be poor, poor, poor. Here's a snippet of the story uh, told in the Bible. So while they, Joseph and Mary, uh, were there in Bethlehem, the day came for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus. She wrapped, look at that, capital H, Every pronoun referring to this child, even the word son, the word is capitalized. What the heck? Who is this child? It's her firstborn son, Jesus. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. You know what a manger looks like? We see this one every time we go to Israel. It's stone, primitive stone with an indentation that's been carved out of the stone. Do we have, the, there it is. Can you imagine? You've just given birth to a baby and you lay him in this cold stone, primitive piece of stable furniture. Now imagine as well, it wouldn't be a Bible, but if you were the first person to read Luke's account of the birth of Christ and you saw all those pronouns, every reference to this child capitalized, you're like, who is this child? And who are these parents? 
What kind of person would put a newborn baby in a stone cold manger? Well, Luke spends the next 22 chapters of his book revealing the identity of this child. And we don't have time for 22 chapters. So I'll take you into the first sentence that John, the best friend of Jesus, this is the best friend of Jesus, John wrote these words about the identity of this capital B baby, this capital S son, this capital C child. John writes this way. In the beginning... The word Jesus already existed. In the beginning means before time began. Before there was a history of any place, anything, anyone, there was Jesus. He has no beginning. He will have no end. He is the living, eternal word. In the beginning, the word Jesus already existed. The word Jesus was with God and the word was God. Now why, I mean, John and Jesus are best friends. They did life together for three years. And of all their experiences, every day together, why would John choose that one descriptive to define Jesus? Word. Here's the deal. Everything you can say about God is spoken in Jesus. And here's something more profound. And maybe the best news you'll hear today Everything God wants to say to you is spoken to you through Jesus. He is the word. In fact, when John climaxes the Bible, last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, here's how he defines Jesus. He writes this way. The robe he wore was covered with blood, covered with his own blood. His blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. In his shed blood, there is power. When you see the blood, you know there's power for healing. I'm gonna be able to put my past behind me. I'm gonna be able to bury my baggage. I'm gonna be cleansed of all guilt and shame because he wears the blood of his own sacrifice. The robe he wore was covered with his own blood. His name, his name is the word of God. Everything you can say about God is spoken in Jesus. And everything God wants to say to you is spoken through Jesus. Here's how the writer of Hebrews records it. Long ago, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers, through the prophets. He did it in visions and dreams, even face to face. But now, now God has spoken to us through his son to whom he has given everything and by whom he made the world and everything there is. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Glory means unlimited power. That's Jesus. Glory means unspeakable beauty. That's Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his very being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Sustaining all things, sustaining you. That breath, that heartbeat, sustained by the power of his word. Your relationships can be sustained by the power of his word. You you do your relationships according to his word and his word, the power of that word, sustains your relationships. Your finances, your finances can be, you do your finances according to his word and your finances are sustained by the power of his word. You can do your mental health 
by his word and your mental health, your emotions, your mind is sustained by the power of his word. Everything, everyone sustained by the power of his word because here's the deal, this Jesus This Christ of Christmas, this babe born and laid in a manger, Jesus is the eternal, all-powerful, living word of God. This is the written word of God. Jesus is the eternal, without beginning, without end, the eternal, living word, all-powerful word of God. So, if that's true, Why do we find him born in a barn? Why was his umbilical cord cut by sheep shears? Why is his first resting place a stone cold manger? We're not left in the dark on this one. Luke goes on to answer that question. Check it out. Mary wrapped him, Jesus, her son, little baby boy in strips of cloth and laid him, oh, I gotta stop there a second. She takes these strips of cloth and wraps them around, snugly around his little body. She was there 33 years later when his limp, lifeless body was removed from the cross and strips of cloth were round, wound round and round about his body. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because why? There was no room for them in the inn when Joseph and a very pregnant Mary show up. They're turned away like the rejects, damaged goods. I mean, she is a teenage girl. She's pregnant. They're not married. (laughs) No room for you. Hey, you want to stay someplace? Check the barn out back. Have you ever been in a social setting and made to feel unwelcome? Have you ever been like at a party and you knew you really weren't wanted there? You were made to feel very uncomfortable? That was Jesus. That was his experience from the manger to the cross. Here's what the Bible says. There was nothing attractive about this Jesus, uh, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. You, you ever feel like you're invisible, that no one notices you, that people are looking down on you? That's Jesus. He knows how you feel. That was his reality. He was looked down upon, passed over, a man who suffered and knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. But now now notice how the author, under the breath of God, he gets very personal. He says, we, we looked down on Jesus, thought he was scum. No room, looking down on you, looking down on your family. You guys belong, belong in the sheep pen, that baby. It's one of the reasons that this is the most important sign in this church. That we will do everything we can within our power to make Jesus welcome here. We will make every decision, every behavior will be driven, every initiative taken, every project will be all about making more room for Jesus. And I gotta tell you something, where Jesus is welcome, 
everyone is welcome. Every kind of person, every color of person, every culture of person. Doesn't matter about how much money you got, you're welcome. Doesn't matter about the color of your skin, you're welcome. If Jesus is truly welcome, everyone is welcome. If Jesus is truly welcome, every single person is shown unconditional dignity and respect, unconditional acceptance and love. Everyone, every person, every color, every kind, every culture belongs where Jesus belongs. <clears throat> now, um, you, you can buy a sign like this and slap it on your doorstep or put it in front of your business, but it is only the most important sign in your life when it is the most important sign in your heart. And the reason that this is truly the most important sign in this church is that because in the heart of hearts of this people, this welcome, this welcome of every kind of person, every kind of person, this love, this offer of belonging here is true. It's the irrefutable evidence that you're making more and more room for Jesus in your lives, in your marriages, in your finances. Did you know that this past week, there were over 200 children who were able to wear winter coats and gloves and hats to school because of you. You went out, you shopped, you bought, you brought. And this week, can you imagine, those kids were going to school with no gloves, multiple layers of t-shirts or maybe a sweatshirt. But now, how do, you, how do you think a child feels when they go to school like that and they see another kid with a brand new coat? Well, now they're the kid with the brand new coat. And you know what we hope goes off in their hearts? Somebody saw me. I'm not invisible. I'm not looked down on. I'm not passed over. Someone saw me. Someone saw what I needed. Someone cared enough to give me a gift. And we say, we welcome you as we welcome Jesus. That's why these groceries are up here. Last weekend, we brought coats. This weekend, we bring groceries. If you're unfamiliar with our church, every Wednesday, we give a week's worth of groceries to the hungry people in our immediate area. On one Wednesday, people come here and we give them a week's worth of groceries. Uh, the next Wednesday, we take a week's worth of groceries to over 30 residences of people who can't get out. All the stuff that we're bringing will soon be dispersed to hungry people in our community. And so we will set aside $10,000 out of our Christmas offering. We do a love offering every year. Last year it was totaled over $100,000. And of that, whatever it is this year, 10,000 will go to stock our pantry for the entire year of 2022 for the 20 people that live in our town. And as they get the groceries, these are the ones that my Debbie and I bought. And um, microwave popcorn. I'm looking for spam. That's how people will know it's from me, spam. And it was hard for me to give it away, I'm telling you. But also, I didn't know this. Oatmeal, cinnamon toast crunch oatmeal. They had Lucky Charms, but I thought that's bad for kids. <laughs> but what, what we want people to think 
as they prepare the meal, as they eat the meal, as they enjoy the meal. We want them to think, somebody saw me. I was not ignored. I was not passed over. I was not looked down upon. Someone saw my need and cared enough to meet my need. And we say, welcome if you're hungry. Welcome to Central Christian Church. You know what the Bible says? You know what God says in the Bible? Come to me. Come to me and get food that money cannot buy. Come to me and get drink without cost. Come to me. You are welcome. Um, the, the truth is about you and about me is that God saw us in our desperate need. He saw that we sinned. The sin, ugly, evil imperfections of our lives. He saw our need and he cared enough to give us his indescribable gift. The word of God describes it this way. God saw your most desperate need. You were not overlooked. You were not looked down upon. But God gave, boop, 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 boop. Thank God, thanks for waking up. Thank God for his son, his gift to wonderful for words. Jesus is what you are desperately in need of. He is what you desperately need for your emotional well-being. He is what you need in your friendships. He is what you need in your marriage. He is what you need in your finances. And he's God's gift to you. All you have to do is welcome and receive. And truly, you know, this is why gift giving, we make it a part of our Christmas experience. Except at my house. Our adults, and there's a bunch of us, we don't give gifts among adults. I've got enough ties, socks, underwear, pajamas, and sweaters to last me the rest of my life. We don't give gifts in our family to adults. Our grandbabies, our little ones, we lavish gifts on them. But if I'm an adult with a job and I've got some money, it goes to the hungry in my community. It goes to the orphan in Haiti. $10,000 out of our coming sacrificial Christmas love offering will go to our orphanage in Haiti. I don't know if you're familiar with Haiti right now. Go home and Google conditions in Haiti. It is absolutely horrific. Crime rules with no consequence. There's no government the cost of food, groceries, 10 times what it was. We have over 20 boys in an orphanage there with 14 staff members. And right now we have them well stocked with food and $10,000 of our love offering will keep them stocked with food for the coming year. And under the roof of that orphanage, they are being taught about Jesus. They are experiencing worship and praise for God. They are able to go to school. They were able to be clothed and receive meals every day. And we want those orphans to know that they are welcome. My son, Wilkie, some of you, many of you know him. He, he gave all the leadership to the building of that orphanage. And the sad thing about me, I've been to Haiti a bajillion times, particularly when we were adopting him. And... Um, he told me he wanted to open an orphanage in the village where he used to run naked on the dirt paths, where he was a cast out, lowest of the low, poorest of the poor, because his mom had been a prostitute and then she was uh, murdered. 
And so he's just a little boy with no mom, no dad, no nothing, hiding under people's porches to uh, steal out of their garbage and uh, to sleep under their porch. And he wanted to build a place. And I, sadly about me, I said, son, do you know what it takes to build an orphanage? Well, our church has an orphanage because of our, my son. And we're gonna keep those kids well fed and let them know they are welcome in the presence of Jesus. So this is just, it's just my family. I don't need another sweater from my brother. He doesn't need another sweater from me. But children, orphans in Haiti need to know that no one is looking down on them, that they are not passed over, that there is somebody in America who cares, that there's somebody in America who will sacrifice to see that they are fed. I'm well fed. <laughs> really well fed. They are welcome in the name of Jesus. This is what the character of God for us, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't give until it hurt. He gave in sacrifice. He gave in love. He gave until it felt good. He gave his son. And Jesus, his son, gave everything, gave his life on the cross. Jesus, don't, don't make a mistake. He didn't give until he hurt. it hurt. He gave until it felt good for the joy set before him. He endured the cross in your behalf, taking your shame, taking your guilt, taking the punishment you deserve for your sin. He gave and gave and gave until it feels good having your heart in his heart and the two of you being one. <clears throat> so, this is the most important sign in this church for the hurting and the hungry and the orphan. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot about the homeless. Think about all the homeless guys this week that are given the backpacks that you brought full of hats and, and gloves and socks and hygiene items. We want every homeless man in this area to feel, oh my gosh, I'm not overlooked. I'm not passed over. I'm not looked down upon. Somebody cared about me enough to give me this gift. This is the character of our God. Check it out from his word. The Bible says, God, your God is a God immense, powerful, awesome. And how does he reveal his vast immensity, his supernatural power, his awesome character? He does not play favorites. He takes no bribes. He makes sure orphans and widows are treated fairly, takes loving care of foreigners by seeing that they, are, that they get food and clothing. You see, Jesus is for the orphan and the hungry and anyone with any kind of need. And maybe the most important thing I can say to you today is that Jesus is for you. He's for your children and grandchildren. He's for your relationships. He is for your emotional well-being. He's for your finances. He's for every aspect of your life. Um, Danny and I prayed earlier. He's going on the road for business. Jesus is for Danny to be protected all the way there, to be with him there while he does the business and to bring him home safely to his church and to his loved ones. He, he is for you in every aspect of your life and you know it because he left glory. He left heaven. He left his majesty and splendor. He set it aside to come for you, to be with us, to be one of us, but most importantly, to be for us. Here's how the word of God tells it. The word Jesus became flesh and blood. This is the creator of the universe. 
carved out the Grand Canyon, cut a rift for the Mississippi River, shaped mountains and, and filled up oceans with water. The word became flesh and blood, a little helpless newborn infant and moved into the We saw his own eyes. This is John writing again, best friend of Jesus. We saw it, one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. We all, me and you, we all live off his generous abundance, gift after gift after gift. That breath, that heartbeat, you're living off the generous abundance of Jesus. That paycheck, the meal after church, the TV on which you watch the bears beat the Packers. <laughs> come Lord Jesus, come now. No, gift after gift. Your emotions, your mind, gift after gift. If you are living off the abundance of Jesus, gift after gift after gift. So I gotta ask you, what are you doing with your gifts? What are you doing with the gift of time? What are you doing with the gift of your energy? What are you doing with the gift of your personal talents? What are you giving with the, doing with the gift of your finances? What are you doing with the gift of your love? What are you doing with the gift of your hope, your joy. What are you doing with your gifts? Several years ago, ESPN introduced us to two young men, um, D'Artagnan Crockett and uh, Leroy Sutton. These young men became best friends in high school. Um, D'Artagnan is the young man standing. He's he's blind. And uh, Leroy Sutton, when he was a little guy, was walking either to school or home from school on a railroad track, and train's coming. He uh, tries to jump off, but his backpack gets caught on the track, and the train runs over his legs. So um, Leroy has no legs. But Leroy's the eyes. Leroy says, D'Artagnan, this is where we're going. This is how we're gonna get there. And though D'Artagnan has no sight, He's got mobility. He can move forward. He's got the strength to carry his friend who has no legs but has sight and get the two of them to the place they want to go. You see, one does for the other what the other cannot do for himself. They do life together. I'll be your eyes, you be my legs. We'll do it all together. There's a Bible word for that. The Greek word is koinonia, and it means basically doing life together. That's not just D'Artagnan and Leroy, that's me and you, that I do for you what you can't do for yourself and you do for me what I can't do for myself and we do for kids over there with coach what they can't do for themselves and we do for orphans in Haiti what they cannot do for themselves and we do for the homeless what they can't. We do life together all in the welcome presence of Jesus. And if you want a visual image of doing life together, it's this, the nativity 
God coming to be with us, to be one of us, to be for us. Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's his availability to you, even now this morning. He's willing to do for you in every area of your life what you can't do for yourself. Now, the vast majority of the people in the world turn Jesus down. Am I going to live by what they think? Or am I going to live by what he has done? Here's the word of God. Again, it's John who writes, the world didn't recognize Jesus when he came. He was not accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. Only a few. But to all who received him, He gave the right to become children of God. All they had to do was trust him to save them. And so how can I dismiss you without giving you the opportunity to trust Jesus to save you? We'll do that right now if you'll stand with me. I'm gonna lead you in a time of prayer and I'd like for everyone in the room to pray aloud with me. I'll pray a phrase, you pray it right after me. I've been praying that someone will be in the room that's never prayed like this before and that you will welcome and receive Jesus into your life to save you for the very first time. Others of you that have prayed that prayer, I just want you to pray aloud with me so everybody feels good in the room as the prayer is prayed. So would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes? We bow our heads to humble ourselves before a great God and we close our eyes to look into our own hearts. And we pray like this. Dear Jesus, we're a mess. You are good. You saw us in our sin. And you forgave us fully. You died for our sin. We are cleansed of all guilt and shame. You offer to make us new. For the old to be gone and the new to come. And God raised you from the dead. Your victory can be our victory. And we accept that victory now as we receive you, Jesus, as our Savior, as we welcome you, Jesus, as our Lord. We give our lives to you. Fill us with yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.